tuned into the His Harline podcast, where we ignite independent and accurate thought, break the chains and shackles of mental bondage, challenge societal norms, and traverse through the timeless teachings of our Heavenly Father. Join us as we liberate minds and embrace the power of the Great Awakening while embracing true sovereignty. Welcome to the show. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I am Jason, your co-host with our sovereign Lord and Savior Christ Jesus at my side because he is the host with the most and the most high. He's at the helm behind the wheel and in the captain's chair, and he's steering this great ship to these crazy rough waters that we call life. So welcome to His Hard Line. Today's show is titled Contempt of Constitution Part 1. In today's reading, we will be uh, doing out of uh, Isaiah. Uh, no, excuse me. I never even. Uh, boy, what are we doing? Our reading out of. I have it here somewhere. Isaiah. There it is. Isaiah chapter one, verses one through four. I knew it was out of Isaiah. I just couldn't. Uh, I didn't have my notes updated. Silly me. All right. Hope everybody's having a good day. So today will be the first time that we will be going over the contempt of the Constitution. But before I do that, I want to get my daily disclaimer out of the way. Please be advised that I am not a doctor, holistic health expert, financial advisor, biblical scholar, or bar lawyer. And while I am a member of the Michigan General Journal Assembly in good lawful standing, I am not the official face or voice of the National State or County Assembly. I do not endorse or advocate for violence unless it's in self-defense of me and my family. And please note that the opinions, thoughts, and statements expressed on this platform are solely my own and for educational and entertainment purposes only. All right. So, here we are. Second show of 2024, the second podcast of 2024. I hope you all enjoyed the first one. Now, I want to read a quote off by... One of our founding fathers, all right, James Madison, and he was often referred to as the father of the Constitution, which, funny, we are going to be going over the contempt of the Constitution. And he said, I believe there are more instances of the abridgment of the freedom of the people by gradual and silent encroachments of those in power than by violent and sudden usurpations now this highlight this you know this highlights his belief in the constitution as a safeguard against the gradual erosion of individual freedoms by those in positions of authority now a lot of people have never really read the constitution which is really sad now we've read it once on the show so there is. You can go on Podbean and search it out and just type in Constitution. If you're smart enough, you should be able to find it. But most people have never read the Constitution. It's quite really sad. Now, in Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution, it does say that 
the United States Constitution ensures, in fact, hold on, let me go back and find it here now. There it is. The United States shall guarantee, this is Article 4, Section 4. The United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion and on application of the legislature or of the executive when the legislature cannot be convened against domestic violence. Now, this section was included, okay? This section, uh, I should say, ensures that each state maintains a Republican form of government, clearly, meaning a system where representatives are elect elected to make decisions on behalf of the people. In this section, also emphasizes the federal government's responsibility to protect states from invasion and domestic violence, ensuring the stability and security of the nation. Now, let me ask you a question, guys. Let me ask you a question. all that crap that's going on down there in Texas with the invasion, the border invasion and all that good stuff that's happening down there. And when I say good stuff, I'm being facetious. I really don't believe it's good. But don't you think that they are just in that section alone, that little section of the Constitution that I read, that they might be perhaps not, um, how should I say it? They are not, well, they're just not holding up their end of the deal. They're not, uh, they're not doing their job, right? Let me, let's go down another path for a second. So, so the show is called Contempt of the Constitution, part one, by the way. We're going to break it down. We're going to have this show. And I've already read this once in its entirety in one show. It is on the front page of the national-assembly.net webpage, website. But what we're doing this week or for the next few shows is we're going to read it uh, in sections so we can kind of digest it bit by bit. Now, but before we do that, let me ask you a question. What, what does it mean when a judge places someone in contempt of court? Because we always hear that. You step out of line, I'm going to hold you in contempt of court, right? Well, when a judge places someone in contempt of court, it means that the individual has disobeyed or shown disrespect for the authority of the court and its procedures, right? So contempt of court can take different forms, such as refusing to obey a court order, uh, disrupting court proceedings, or showing disrespect to the judge or other court officials. Now, being found in contempt can actually result in various consequences, including fines, uh, imprisonment, or other sanctions, depending on the severity of the contempt and the discretion of the judge. And it's essentially basically a way for the court to maintain order and ensure that its proceedings are conducted with respect for the judicial process. But there happens to be one little thing that happens to be above the judge, which the people can hold him or her in contempt as well. And it works, works both ways. In fact, it works better for us, the people, than it does for the judge, to be quite honest with you. So when someone declares contempt of the Constitution, what's that mean? What does that really mean? Well, first, before we get into the contempt of the Constitution, what's the Constitution for? Well, let's just explain it very simplified here. Let's because we we look, you're talking to Jason 
over here. Okay. We like to keep things simple, right? Keep, you know, keep, keep it simple, stupid, right? The constitution is an instrument that was put together by the people to shackle. Okay. And when I say shackle, not literally, but to make sure that the executive, the legislative and the judicial branches, right? The judges and all our public servants, they basically stay in their lane. So when we appoint them and or elect them into public office to serve the people, okay, that means that this document called the United States Constitution, okay, it basically tells them what they can and cannot do. And it basically, in other words, tells them, hey, you step out of line you know, there, there's just certain parameters you're not allowed to, uh, uh, step out of. Okay. Now, if they're not, if they're stepping out of their parameters and they're usurping their power and they are being oppressive and they are being tyrannical. Okay. That is when the constitute, the contempt of the constitution comes into play. Now, keep in mind, folks, remember, People who are public servants to the United States that are, you know, hold office, whether elected or appointed, they are citizens. They are public servants. You, by definition, are not a citizen if you do not work for government. So that means everything in the Constitution applies to only public servants, not people like you and I. I'm not a president. I'm not a statesman. I'm not a judge. The Constitution does not apply to me. My rights are granted to me by God. The rights that were written and added to the constitution are for the public servants saying, yes, you may be our servant, but you are still granted the same rights that we are granted by God because God made the people first and the people created government. But who are we to tell our servants, no, you don't have the same rights that we do. So that's why those rights were added into the constitution. Does that make sense? Okay, now we got that out of the way. Now, when someone declares contempt of constitution, it means that they believe, right, that the actions or policies of the government or public officials, like a judge, for example, uh, violate the principles and provisions laid out in the constitution. It's a statement asserting that the government's actions are contrary to the fundamental rights, freedoms, or limitations outlined in the constitution, which is designed to guide and constrain the behavior of public officials. Now, this declaration serves as a formal law, which is now in the books, okay? And it declares dissatisfaction or protest by the people, indicating their belief that the government or public officials are not upholding their obligations under the Constitution. So essentially, it's a way for we, the people, to voice our opposition to perceived constitutional violations by those in positions of public office and demand adherence to the principles and values enshrined in the Constitution, which is intended to govern the conduct of public servants. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the definition, again, of a, of a citizen. A citizen is a public servant. Again, I don't mean to reiterate myself, but a citizen is a public servant who works for we, the people. Again, unless you have a position in government, you are not classified as a citizen. A military service member is classified as a citizen because they are part of the government. They might not be elected or appointed, but they are a part of the government. And 
I once heard that, um, again, because, you know, like, for example, Commander in Chief Trump, he was he's part of the executive branch, the executive branch in part kind of, you know, overlooks the armed forces. So I've always been told that the executive branch would be part, you know, the military would be part of the executive branch. Now, I don't I haven't had confirmation on that, but I heard that a couple few times. But nonetheless. Military service members, again, they swear an oath to the Constitution and they are they they're there to uphold that Constitution. They are citizens. They are employees of the government. So the contempt of the Constitution was the first law, again, under common law that has been written since the year 1861, the first common law written since 1861 by the people in General General Assembly. Ain't that great? Now, we all need to be very familiar with it, and it needs to be taught and learned on the county and state level because it's going to be very, very important when it comes to impaneling our common law grand juries going forward. Now, why is this important? So that we can hold our government public servants accountable for any and all crimes committed against the people. Now, understanding the contempt of the Constitution is crucial for everyone, whether you're serving in government at a local, state, or federal level, or if you're a member in the military. It's essential for every man and woman to be very well versed in contempt of the Constitution because it's going to be served. It's going to serve as a guiding compass toward a future of freedom and sovereignty in this nation. Now, this topic cannot be overstated in its importance. That's why we need to be thoroughly, we need to thoroughly dissect and explore this, breaking it down piece by piece so that we can gain a little bit of a deeper understanding of its, of it, of its significance. So this might take three or four shows, but this knowledge is going to pave the way for a clear and defined path towards a future where our rights and liberties are protected and upheld. This is our roadmap, ladies and gentlemen. This is why I started off Sunday's show the way I did about a defined path forward. We just have to apply it moving forward. But first, let's get into, um, I want to go over just a couple of important scriptures from the Bible. It's only four verses, but it's from Isaiah. Um, and this section was called, in my Bible, it was called perversion of justice. So Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1 says, Ah, those who enact unjust statutes, who write oppressive decrees, depriving the needy of judgment, robbing my people's poor of justice, making widows their plunder and orphans their prey. What will you do on the day of punishment when the storm comes from afar? To whom will you flee for help? Where will you leave your wealth? Lest it sink beneath the captive or fall beneath the slain. For all this, his wrath is not turned back. His hand is still outreached. Now, this passage from the book of Isaiah serves as a poignant critique of societal injustices and the abuse of power by those in authority. Hmm. It begins by addressing those who enact unjust laws and oppressive decrees, highlighting how these laws perpetrate, uh, perpetuate injustice and oppression and benefiting the power at the expense of the vulnerable. Sound familiar? Sounds familiar to me. Sounds like our de facto usurping government. Specifically, it condemns the exploitation of widows and orphans who are among the most vulnerable groups in ancient societies, as well as the deprivation of fair judgment and justice for the needy and the poor. Well, gee. It almost kind of sounds like the human trafficking of our women and children in today's modern society. Seems like not much has changed, which is why this is so important. 
Now, this passage warns of a coming reckoning, a day of punishment when those who perpetrate injustices will face the consequences of their actions. It poses rhetorical questions about where the oppressors will turn for help and where their wealth will ultimately lead them, emphasizing the inevitability of facing accountability for their deeds. In the imagery of God's wrath, symbolized by a storm, that's right, a storm and an outstretched hand underscores the seriousness of the situation and the urgency of addressing societal injustices. Now, ultimately, this passage serves as a a very timeless reminder of the importance of justice and compassion, as well as accountability in a society. It condemns the perversion of justice and the exploitation of the vulnerable while calling for a society built on fairness, equity, and compassion for all its members. Now, let's get into the the, the first few pieces of the contempt of the Constitution. So it reads, and you can find this, by the way, if you ever want to read this, you can find this on, uh, let me pull this up real quick. You can find this on nasaranews.blogspot.com. That's nasaranews.blogspot.com, and you can find it on there. Now it reads, Official Declaration of Contempt of Constitution by the People of the United States of America. With this document filed, presented, in, or posted with any agency, department, representative, or body politic of government in any form which such government shall take, shall be construed by force majeure, as the same shall be duly gathered by we the people, and the same shall at any time be required or necessary to be an official and undeniable declaration of contempt of Constitution for the people of the United States of America, and sets forth the following information and declaration in support thereof. Okay, we're going to pause there for a second. So the document expresses here, this section of the document expresses the sentiment that the government has violated the Constitution and his declaration serves as a formal expression of dissatisfaction or protest by the people. And it's a statement asserting that the government's actions are contrary to the principles and provisions laid out in the Constitution. And so it's presented as a way for the people, again, to express our discontent with perceived with the perceived constitutional violations. Now it continues to say the inherent authority and power to charge one with contempt of court has long been recognized within the courts and the legal structure of the government governments of the United States of America. It has been well understood and is accepted that such authority and power belongs to common law courts as a result of the nature of what contempt of court is an inherent authority and power being undeniable and inseparable to the courts because of the nature of what that authority and power is. It is further recognized by we the people as claimed by the courts themselves, and that contempt of court is the highest authority and power as being true and correct on its face accordingly. Likewise, it is recognized that such authority and power arose first from an acknowledgement and allowance of the King of England in the early 18th century or early 1700s, as revealed by the U.S. Supreme Court case in Reed Green v. U.S., and that was a New York court case. Um, this revelation being thus shown to illustrate the, faith, the fact, excuse me, the fact that the power of contempt of court itself actually comes under the sovereignty of a country just as it did in England at the time centuries ago. 
And again, it, it proves to the people and establishes by like principle that the power of contempt of court in the United States also belongs under ultimate sovereignty of the United States of America, the republic thereof, or the people, as was expressly embodied in the preamble as we the people. All right, let's pause there for a second. So this passage discusses the authority of the courts in the United States, right, to charge individuals with contempt of court. And it explains that this authority is deeply rooted in the legal system and is considered crucial uh, due to the serious nature of contempt of court. Now, the passage, this section here also mentions that this authority traces back to early English law, showing its historical significance. Now, ultimately, it emphasizes that the power of contempt of court falls under the sovereignty of the people of the United States, right? The United States of America or its people, as it is outlined. And this underscores the importance of the authority within the legal framework of the country. And again, there was a court case that allowed this revelation to be shown. Because again, the, the contempt of court actually came under the sovereignty of a country just as it did in England at that time. And again, it proves to be for the people of the people, right? And it establishes by like principles that the power of contempt of court in the United States also belongs under ultimate sovereignty. Well, who's the sovereign one? That'd be you and I, folks. Now, the contempt of constitution continues to say, proclaiming and explaining the inherent right of the courts themselves to simply declare the right to contempt of court, it is stated at Corpus Juris Secundum, volume 17, section 43, page 108, that in order that any human agency may accomplish its purpose, it is necessary that it possess power. The executive must have power to direct or control his business. The superintendent must have the power must have power to direct his men. In order to accomplish the purpose for which they were created, courts must also possess powers. These powers are called inherent powers, and among these powers is the power to punish for contempt. Let's pause for a second. So this section explains that the court naturally has authority to enforce contempt of court, obviously, which is very crucial. And it compares this authority to other roles that require power for effective management, like executives directing business or superintendents managing personnel, right? Because these inherent powers of courts, including the ability to punish for contempt, are necessary to maintain order and respect for the legal process in the courtroom. So in essence, this passage is emphasizing that courts have the inherent authority to uphold the integrity of the legal system by enforcing contempt of court when needed. All right. Now, the next part continues to say, we, the people of the United States of America, having come together in peaceful assembly to return to original jurisdiction and venue and return the formation of a republic, being noted in the preamble as we, the people, likewise have and hereby reveal and prescribed an inherent authority and power and for the same or similar reasons in their own fashion, do so reason and declare. In order that any human being of people forming a constitution representing them directly by prescribed or written agency may accomplish their purpose in order to keep their constitution secure, safe, and sound in its integrity, clean, 
pure, inviolable, not being violated, it is necessary that the body of people possess all inherent authority and power. The business owner must have authority and power to direct or control his business or punish or fire bad employees who refuse to be directed or controlled as required. The superintendent must have authority and power to direct his men in order to accomplish the purpose for which they created a constitution, a people organized in a republic, or even recognized between themselves as bearing or having a constitution, whether or not written, must also possess authority and powers. And these authorities and powers are called inherent authorities and powers. And these authorities and powers are undeniable irrevocable, irreversible, indisputable, and unalienable by any elements of government. Among these authorities and powers is the authority and power to punish for contempt of constitution. Contempt of constitution belongs and is inherent to we the people alone. No part or authority, uh, excuse me, no part of authority or power of government may attach it, dis distract from it, ain't it, or approach it. So in other words, stepping away from this for a second, that means the government cannot attach themselves or use the contempt of constitution for any reason. Why? Because it's meant for them, just like the constitution was meant for them. The, con the, the, the contempt of constitution is also meant for them, which means they cannot alter it or touch it or do anything of the such. That's why it says you cannot taint it. You cannot approach it. Don't even look at it. This ain't. For, this is for you, but for the people. This is meant for you by the people to keep you in line and to punish you because you have stepped out of line. Continuing. Furthermore, not only does the inherent authority and power of contempt of constitution belong to the people alone, wherefore no body of government may approach it without committing contempt of constitution at its highest level but the principle of contempt of constitution was embodied by the constitution's founding fathers or framers at article 1 section 6 clause 1 perceived and understood therein as breach of peace being understood so to be to wit treason and felony are referred to in article 1 section 6 clause 1 but misdemeanor is not Thus, mere misdemeanors, even if seemingly causing a breach of peace by today's standards, would not be sufficient to prevent a congressman or senator for, from attending Congress in session. Reviewing all forms of misdemeanors and recognizing that none of them apply to such a breach as described in the Constitution by process of elimination, the only kind of breach that could be so serious as to be taught by the founding fathers as being worthy to stop in attendance of Congress in session was that kind of an offense serious enough to be regarded as equal or greater than the commitment of either a treason or excuse me. Yeah, as a, as either. Excuse me. Let me just repeat that that part there. That kind of an offense serious enough to be regarded as equal or greater than the commitment of either a treason or felony. Treason of felony. Can't read there. My apologies. So again, going back to the other part there where it says, um, before I read this, where it was saying that no branch of government, nobody in government may approach this contempt of constitution without committing contempt of constitution. In other words, if they try to come at this and try to alter it or destroy it or whatever, they have committed the highest 
contempt of constitution that there is. And we're going to get into that in a different show. And we're going to go through the different levels of contempt of the constitution. But that's what that's basically saying. Nobody in government can come at this contempt. Of, you cannot approach it without committing contempt of constitution. Again, this, this section is outlining the idea that we, the people of the United States of America, possess the inherent authority and power, similar to how, again, a business owner has authority over their business or a superintendent has authority over their employees. This inherent authority is necessary for the protection and integrity of the Constitution, ensuring that it remains secure and inviolable. Now, this section also is emphasizing that this authority called inherent authorities and power cannot be revoked or disputed by any branch of government. Again, they can't touch it. They can't come near it. They can't, they can't dispute it. They are our employees. And one aspect of this authority is the power to punish for contempt of constitution, which is reserved exclusively for we, the people. So no governing body, nobody in government can interfere with this authority without committing contempt of constitution themselves. Again, I'm going to reiterate that, not to sound like a certain other reiterator. But furthermore, the, this section discusses how the principle of contempt of Constitution is enshrined in Article 1, Section 6, Clause 1 of the Constitution. And it explains that while treason and felony are mentioned in this clause, misdemeanor is not. So by process of elimination, it suggests that only offenses serious enough to be equivalent of, to treason or felony could justify preventing a congressman or senator from attending Congress in session. So in essence, this passage asserts that we, the people, have inherent authority and power, including the ability to punish for contempt of Constitution, to safeguard the integrity of the Constitution, and to hold government officials accountable. You screw up, guess what? To the gallows you go, depending on the severity of contempt of Constitution. Now, if it's on the lower level of the contempt of Constitution, which we're going to get into in a couple shows, obviously a hanging is not going to be due. You might get your patty slapped, but, you know, it's not going to send you to the gallows. But again, we're going to learn more about this. So this kind of concludes part one. I shouldn't say kind of. This does conclude part one of the reading of the contempt of the Constitution, which will bring this segment to a close. And we are going to end in prayer. And then. The next show, we will continue Contempt of the Constitution Part 2, where, we'll, where we will continue the reading. Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you today seeking your divine guidance and blessings upon our assembly of states and all those who are participating in the restoration of our republic. We lift them up to you, praying for their safety and protection as they work towards a noble cause. May your presence be with them, guiding their actions and decisions with wisdom and discernment. Lord, we also pray for the transition out of interim status, that we may move forward with clarity and purpose and executing the contempt of the Constitution properly. Grant us the understanding and diligence to uphold the principles of justice and accountability so that our common law grand juries can uphold our public officials accountable for any crimes they have committed against we the people. Furthermore, we lift up to you anyone who is struggling in their life, whether it be due to physical, emotional, or financial hardships. May they find strength and resolve in their journey, knowing that you are with them every step of the way, Father. Provide them with comfort. Provide them with peace and a support that they need to overcome their challenges. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to lift these prayers 
up to you, knowing that you are the God of mercy, grace, and compassion. And may your will be done in our lives and in our nation as we strive to honor you with our actions and decisions in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. Now remember, here at His Hard Line, we are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. The enemy will not cross this line any more because it is men and women like you and I who hold this line firmly. And to make sure that no one else veers over that line accidentally, we have to be the watchers on the wall, ladies and gentlemen. And it is up to us to learn important documents like contempt of the Constitution, because this is how we get our power back into our hands. Donald Trump said that he has taken power away from D.C. He didn't do it alone. I promise you that. There was a support system that enact, you know, that that allowed that action to be taken. And it is the people in the General Jural Assembly. So, ladies and gentlemen, with that, I bid you adieu, and we will see you next time. God bless. To find more shows like this, you can visit hishardline.com. And to learn more about your involvement with your local General Jural Assembly, you can visit national-assembly.net. His Hardline Podcast. His Hardline Podcast. Podcast. exercise caution regarding any organization purporting to be an assembly and claiming similar objectives such as the American States Assembly, National Liberty Alliance, Life Force, Beacon 37, RUSA Tactical Civics, or any entity diverging from the officially recognized Michigan model acknowledged by seven countries and the United States military. Furthermore, it's important to clarify that we do not endorse or recognize status corrections.